Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All day. You know, the beginning of this week, something very historic took place in Washington, D.C. Uh, Israel came together along with the United Arab Emirates and also Bahrain to sign a normalization of relationship treaty. And, uh, and some are calling it a, a peace treaty, uh, unprecedented uh, in our times. And, uh, you know, I share that because uh, it's another step of, of peace towards conflict in the Middle East. Uh, but today, our world is filled with a lot of brokenness. How many of you know that? There's a lot of areas within our world there, where there is division and, uh, and where there is discord, conflict. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen our nation as divided as it is during this election year, uh, and, uh, and things are just really heightened. You add to that the, uh, the social justice issues and, uh, and the conflict that is happening uh, all around with that, and then uh, conflict over the response to COVID-19. Uh, is it too much? Is it not enough? Um, there is just so much conflict. Our world is in need of peace, Amen. Our world is in need of peace. Uh, And so today, as we take a look at this uh, next beatitude, that is what the Bible is going to address. The Bible is going to address this area of peace. What is the answer to all of the conflict? What is the answer uh, to the trouble that we have within our world today? And, And so Jesus addresses that. Before we get to that, Thomas Watson said this, Satan kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts and then stands and warms himself at the fire. Friends, what we need to recognize is is that there is a very real spiritual battle that is going on within our country. There is a spiritual battle that is going on within our world. There is a spiritual battle that is going on within families, within marriages. There's a spiritual battle that is going on within friendships. The enemy loves to sow discord. The enemy loves to sow contention. The enemy loves to stir up selfishness and to stir up all kinds of strife. It has his marks all over it. It's a sobering picture that he stirs it up and then he stands back and warms himself by the fire. Outward peace and peace within are both things that we need within our world today. And the good news is the Bible speaks and encourages believers to be those who pursue peace. As we continue this series, Bless, our study in the Beatitudes today, we're going to look at the seventh character quality that Jesus mentions and says is blessed. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's explore three questions as we try to understand peace today. First, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? In fact, the word peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, and it's used in the Bible to mean more than simply an absence of conflict, but it also includes an active enjoyment of all things good. It's more than just an absence of conflict. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 7.15, Paul writes that God has called us to live in peace. 
He wants us to live in peace. In fact, the, peace, the pursuit of living in peace in others is to seek peace in our relationships, and that's what God is calling each and every believer to. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 20, Solomon wrote that a byproduct of those who promote peace is that those who promote peace have joy. Have joy. Promoting peace leads to greater joy in our lives. In fact, God calls believers to work towards promoting and striving to work towards peace. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Last week we talked about blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, the one that follows this also is one that is, that is combined here, and it says that we are to strive. Strive for peace. That gives the idea of hard work. It gives the idea of effort, perseverance that is poured out in the pursuit of a God-given calling. In fact, a true, uh, being, truly being a person who seeks to be a peacemaker is going to require effort because of what we talked about, that spiritual battle that is taking place. We are actually battling spiritually when we are pursuing peace because there is a very real enemy that loves to work against those efforts. So the second question today is where does peace begin? The starting point for anyone who wants to become a peacemaker means that you and I have to have peace as a peacemaker within our own heart. Peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it themselves. If you don't have peace yourself, if there's unresolved conflict in your heart, then you won't be able to bring peace to others. Conflict seems to follow some people around. How many would agree with that? There are some people that it just seems conflict just abounds in their lives. Uh, it, it, what fills you, and when you bump into people, what fills you is going to spill out of you. How many of you know that? What fills you will spill out. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, if you're full of peace, when you have these times where you bump into people, that is going to spill out onto others. But if there's conflict within your own soul, if there's conflict within your own heart, if there's things within your own heart that are not right when you bump into others, that same conflict is going to spill out into other relationships. Titus chapter 3.10 talks about uh, the warning that leaders in the early church gave uh, to, to the church about a divisive person. It says this, warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You say, well, that seems kind of harsh. Well, Paul also wrote and warned in Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. And we might say, that doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound very kind. But friends, there are some times where you just have to recognize that the best way in order to be a peacemaker is just to kind of stay away from somebody who cre creates conflict all the time. Why would these church leaders warn of this? Because if you hang out with a divisive person and you hang out with somebody who is contentious, then you yourselves may find that that rubs off on you. Often the problem is not outside. The problem is because there's a division within that same person that results in an outward contention and discord. And throughout the study of the Beatitudes that we've looked at, we've recognized that it's not so much about our outward behavior as much as it is about the inside attitudes and the inside things that God wants to do in our hearts. So peace on the outside and being a peacemaker starts when you and I get things right with God and we have peace in our relationship with God and there is peace and healing in our hearts. Then whatever we run into, whatever we do will begin to spill out of us and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, 
peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a, a peace of a heart flows from a purity of life. James 3.17 says that, that first of all, first be pure, first pure and then peaceable. That's the kind of wisdom James describes that is from above. It is, it is first pure and then peaceable. Purity of heart then leads to a life of peace or a peacemaker. Purity of heart will be the one, means one thing. If you remember from last week, that's what we talked about. The purity of heart is a singleness of focus. A person with a singleness of purpose will be at peace. The impure person by, confli- or by contrast has a heart that is fundamentally divided. And so you, you can't get to being a peacemaker if you don't deal with the purity of heart that we talked about last week, the singleness of purpose and focus. Why? Because there's a divisiveness or a division that is fundamentally in your own heart. And as long as there is unresolved conflict, there can be no peace. Let's go back to what James said in James 4.1. He said, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? What causes this lack of peace? What causes this discord in relationships? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Passions at war. That's the core of a divisive person. The core of a divisive person, an impure person is divided, and that's why oftentimes they become divisive. If we had come to the place of just willing one thing and dealing with the passions that that are in there, again, going back to meekness, finding ourselves submitted to the will of God, finding ourselves in submission to the will of God, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and, and, and then we begin to build from there. We find ourselves only at that place that we can be a peacemaker when we deal with the other divisions within our heart. Without purity, peace cannot be found. That's why the Bible says this in Isaiah 57, 21, there is no peace for the wicked. The wicked can have no peace. You wonder why there is so much division in our world, why there's so much discord in our world today, because there are so many hearts that are not singly focused on what God desires. Therefore, there is no peace. There is no peace. There's a restlessness. There's a striving against things. So thirdly, Why are peacemakers called children of God or sons of God? Because sons of God reflect their their father's likeness. How many have heard that phrase, like father, like son? Like father, like son. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. In other words, there are similar habits and characteristics that that really are behaviors that that are produced by the parent that rubs off on the children. Children of God are the likeness of their heavenly father reflected in their life, especially in making peace. So peacemakers are called sons of God for three reasons. First, peacemakers are like their father who has peace himself. Peace in himself. Romans chapter 15, 33 or 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 or Hebrews 13, 20 describe the father as the God of peace. Our heavenly father is the God of peace. At no time has there ever been the slightest hint or tension or conflict within the Godhead. Within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you don't see any kind of tension. There's always one purpose and one in love. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself was described in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 as the what? The Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. When he came into the world, he said, it is said, the angels sang this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. In Ephesians 2.14, Paul writes that Christ is our peace. In fact, he came into the world to make peace by the shedding of his blood on the cross. That's what Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20 tells us. 
Similarly, not only God the Father and, and, and Jesus Christ the Son, but the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of peace. In fact, when Jesus was baptized, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 says that, that what descended upon him was the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. A dove symbolizes peace. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, John chapter 20, 21 and 22, Jesus said this, peace be with you. Peace I leave with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them, and what did he say? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So the connections are clear. The great peacemaker gives his disciples, the Holy Spirit gives peace to his disciples that they might bring peace that they themselves have received by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we begin to reflect the very character of God being a peacemaker and pursuing peace becomes something that is that of a characteristic of a believer. Peacemakers are like God because they surrender their rights. We don't like this one. But look at Philippians chapter 2, 5, and 7. If we take on the character of our Heavenly Father, if, if the, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be like Jesus in our lives, well, in your relationships with one another, Paul writes, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what was his mindset? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. In your relationships with one another, take on the example of Jesus Christ. What was his example? He didn't hang on to his right to stay in heaven. He didn't hang on to his right as the Son of God, but rather he laid down his rights that he might serve you and I. He laid down his position that he might serve you and I. He came into this world in order that he might help make peace between us and God, reconciling a relationship that was broken and bringing a divisive heart back to a singular focus and a relationship with God, thereby encouraging peace with other believers. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, if God stood upon his rights and dignity upon his person, every one of us would be consigned to hell and absolute perdition. If Jesus really stood on his rights, you and I would be in trouble. We live in a world of rights, and many times it is appropriate to insist on them. But before you insist on your rights or a situation of conflict, remind yourself that if God stood on his rights, you would be in hell forever, and so would everyone else. Friends, I want to tell you, you don't make peace by standing on your rights. Peacemakers... Thirdly, are like God because they love others before they are loved in return. This is what Romans 5, 8 tells us. God shows us his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As sinners, I want to tell you something. We're not pursuing peace. We're pursuing self. As sinners, we're pursuing self. We're, we're pursuing our own, our own uh, position. But God wanted a relationship with us to be made right. And so he began by laying down his own life. While we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love by laying down his life for us. Friends, what would happen if we laid down our lives for others? What would happen if we served others, if we loved others? What would happen if we made it the aim to pursue peace and to encourage people that they too can have peace in their relationship with God? Now, there are limits in our pursuit of peace. I'm not going to lie. There are limits. 
our responsibility to pursue peace in our relationships is a two-way street. How many of you know that? It's two ways. Paul said this in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Listen, you can't control what other people do. You can't control that. All you can control is yourself, the way that you live, the way that you live. Now, there'll be situations where you, where you can't make peace, but it shouldn't stop us from trying, Right? Shouldn't stop us from trying. So now that we've kind of established this base with these three questions, I want to just look at six tactics for peacemakers. Six, tacti- six tactics. These are things to help you. These are these, are these things that what, what can I do? Where can I start? Well, number one is this. Recognize where the problem is. Recognize where the problem is. I want to go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14 says that they have healed the wound of my people lightly, asking, or saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. In the days of Jeremiah, they were very much like today. People were, were made a living, uh, who made a living were telling others that all was well. Uh, there were things that were happening where there, that, that things were not well, but people were saying, it's well, it's good, it, it's, it's all good. And, and they were looking for only what people wanted to hear. So they were only putting a Band-Aid over things. Those who were speaking weren't speaking truth. They weren't, they weren't speaking about the truth. They were simply putting a Band-Aid. Everything is going to be okay. And, and, uh, and, and they healed the wounds of God's people lightly. In other words, they made the problem worse. Why? Because they didn't deal with the true infection. And when you don't deal with the true infection, then you're simply putting a band-aid over something. I want to tell you, making peace does not mean avoiding conflict. Maybe you were taking that from what I had led with, but I want to tell you that making peace does not mean avoiding conflict. It's not anything for a quiet life. A conflict avoided is often a conflict postponed, and therefore a conflict that ultimately becomes worse. The first step in dealing with it is to deal with the conflict. It's to, res- it's to deal with and recognize the problem. Peacemaking begins with honesty and courage to recognize a problem and then to face it. There's no progress that is made when we simply ignore the problem. When God makes peace with a per- person, he begins by awakening that person to the problem within the relationship. Usually there is what we call a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to address the problem that we have in our relationship with God, the things that are not right. And that might lead to an initial conflict or a problem within the relationship. But you will never achieve peace if you don't start at the beginning and recognize the conflict. Secondly, deal with the conflict early. Look at Proverbs 17, 14, this wisdom here. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. That's good advice, isn't it? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, I think that to kind of help illustrate that a little bit, uh, Pastor Colin Smith in his book Momentum tells a great story that he had when he was growing up. He said, growing up, I remember going to camp in the Scottish countryside. One day we decided that we were going to build a dam uh, in the stream that was flowing down near the hillside to, to the place where we were staying. He said, the idea was simple. Block up the stream would create a pool of water deep enough to swim. So it took some time. They began to gather some stones and they put them in place. And eventually he said the dam was built. Success, right? Success. The pool was formed and the level of water began to rise. The time was there and they got ready to swim. And uh, he said, but there was a problem. A small trickle of water had found its way through one of the rocks. And before long, the trickle had moved a few stones letting more water, which had caused the force to remove larger stones, what began as a trickle ended in a flood. Our dam was swept away, the pool was empty, and all our work was lost. 
That's the picture that Proverbs gives us here. That you've got to deal with it. When you start to see the little trickle of water, that's the time to deal with it. Because if you don't deal with it, then, then the problem gets bigger and it becomes messier and it's a lot more difficult in order to be able to handle. People at times might want to say, how do, I, how do I recognize? Well, if you look back at a problem that got really big, there's probably a few moments that you would recognize early on that you go, hmm, that's where the problem began. If I just would have dealt with it then. If I just would have dealt with it then, it wouldn't have gotten this big. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So let me encourage you, deal with conflict early because small resentments, uh, if we don't deal with them, can take root in our heart and they begin to grow. And the beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. So quiet, quit before the quarrel breaks out is what Proverbs encourages. Thirdly, practice restraint. This is really important. Practice restraint, especially your tongue. Oh boy. Do we really have to deal with this one? This restless evil that James talks about, James 1.19 encourages us, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Boy, how many times could we be a peacemaker if we would just follow this advice, right? <laughs> right, slow, quick to hear. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So many times we are quick to get angry, we are quick to speak, we are slow to listen. In our culture, I've often heard people say this, uh, they say, oh, I must say what I think and feel. I've got to say it, I've just got to say it. If I feel it, I've just got to say it. I've just got to, I've got to, I've got to just unload. Uh, and you know what, I've got to be honest with you, and I know I pick on social media a lot, but unfortunately, we, they're, they're, it's just so much easier to sit behind a keyboard and type things we would never say to somebody to their face. We can be real bold and courageous when I'm sitting behind my computer or on my phone. I can say all kinds of things I want. I can react. Somebody posted something. Oh, I got I to gotta answer that. I got I to gotta answer that. And post after, I got to answer that. I got to, oh man, I got to get into this. Man, conflict after conflict. Whoa. Sometimes, can I just give a little advice? Scroll on by. How many conflicts can be avoided the pursuit of peace, if we would just learn to scroll on by. Seriously. There are so many times we get ourselves off, we hear a little quick bit, somebody shares us with something, they text, did you know so-and-so, did you see what they posted, did you see? All of a sudden, before we've even had a chance to investigate ourselves, we are all upset. Whoa, can you believe that? I gotta resolve, I gotta do something, can you believe? And then we're on the phone, and we're texting somebody else, and we're calling somebody else, and we're building our campaign, and we're getting all, all, all riled, and then we find out, you know, maybe it really wasn't as bad as what it was. Uh-oh, now I got to eat crow, but I won't be humble. I won't humble myself. I'll find a way to justify myself, and so the conflict grows. Friends, there are so much that can be avoided, and peacemakers learn how to practice re restraint. Restraint. It, 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 sometimes you just have to have the courage to say, I don't need to unload all of my frustrations and all of my anger, and I don't need to do that. Just restraint. There are better ways to share our frustrations, and James encouraged us to be slow to speak, slow to become angry. Being slow gives us the opportunity to pray and to gather information. Let me ask you something. How many conflicts could be avoided? How much anger could be avoided 
if we pause to pray first, if we just pause to pray, if we waited to gather information before we spoke and responded. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Fourth, prepare for a long journey. 1 Peter 3.11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. I'm going to tell you something. The journey to peacemaking is long. Rarely, maybe if you deal with the conflict early enough, you can, you can kind of resolve it and move on. But I've got to be honest with you. Most of the time, this journey of pursuing peace is going to be a long journey. It takes perseverance. Peter uses the word seek. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. That's telling us that sometimes it'll be easy, but sometimes you've got to seek. Sometimes it's going to, to be a process, not an event. Fifthly, is to take a step toward peace. Romans chapter 12 and verse 20. This is good advice. If your enemy, it doesn't say your friend, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Boy, that just sounds like awful at the end, right? Man, I'm just going to heap burning coals on his head. You know, there, there's a little thing going around uh, Facebook that, that you know, kind of makes you think somebody's doing something nice and then it turns around that they don't do something nice. They're in a McDonald's drive-thru. How many have heard this one? And, uh, you know, the person behind them is beeping because they're taking too long with their order and they're not getting it right and they're out the window. So they pull up and they decide they're going to pay for the meal of the car behind them. Have you seen this one yet? And, uh, and so they pay for the meal of the car behind them and then the person, you know, kind of feels all sheepish because, oh man, they beep their horn and they kind of wave and then the person gets up there and they show both receipts and take the person's food and drive away because now they got to get in line again. That's not what this is talking about. No, see, the the thing is, at some point, all of us are going to have need. All of us have need at some point. And what this is saying is, if you've got conflict, if there's an enemy, if there's something going on, look for the opportunity to be able to serve them when there is a need. That goes a long way towards a step of peace. Rather than looking to hope they get what's coming to them, the Bible says that we have a different reaction. We pray for our enemies. We bless those who curse you. That the way towards pursuing peace as a believer, if we have peace in our heart, is we're always striving to be like Jesus, and that is to serve where there is a place of need. You see, when peace seems a long way off, think about what might be one small step that you can take in the right direction. Sixth, and this is our last one today, aim at humility, not humiliation. This is so important. This is so important. Philippians 2.8, again, going back to the example of Jesus says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, God makes peace with us, not through a a triumph of power, but through a triumph of love. Not through a power play, but a triumph of love. He wins because he woos us, because he draws us. He he does this despite of the fact that that all that is right on his side, all that is wrong on ours, he shows extreme humility and loves us when we are most unloving. His his place was humility. And I'm going to tell you, peacemaking always calls for humility. That's why we've got to start at the beginning of these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
Start at the blessed of the poor in spirit. Remember your position and what Christ has done for you. Peacemaking will require humility. Jesus took on flesh, spoke with his enemies face to face, and he didn't do it in a display of all of this power and control, but rather he laid down his life. And he began to draw people by his love. By his love. He didn't rub their note in the dirt. He didn't rub their nose in their failure and say, see? No, he chose to forgive us and embrace us. See, that's what peacemakers do. Peacemakers aim at humility, not humiliation. When you've been wronged, it's important to ask a couple of questions. Do you seek vengeance? Do you want vindication? Or do you want to make peace? Do you want to make someone who has hurt you grovel in the dust at your feet and uh, you know, or, or is your aim to get the relationship right? What's the aim? What's the purpose? So as I close, I want to invite the worship team to come. Friends, I want to encourage you. Our world is broken right now. Our world is filled with all kinds of conflict. There are people taking sides on all kinds of things, division and violence. And our world is in need of peace. And friends, this is what God calls us as believers to be. We are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Do you want to be a children of God? See, we're called to pursue peace as far as it depends on us with everyone. To be a peacemaker, though, you have to start with your heart. And so the question is, is your heart right with the Lord? Is your heart right with the Lord? Do you have peace in your relationship with God? So you cannot be a peacemaker. You cannot be someone who extends peace, who pursues peace, who works for peace, unless there is peace in your own heart. And is there peace with God? Do you have peace within your own heart with the Lord? I want to challenge you this morning, friends, to ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart today and ask, do you, do you have conflict within your soul? Is there conflict within your heart? Is there something in your relationship with God that needs to be made right first? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you haven't taken that step where you've invited Jesus Christ into your life and where you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior. That's the first place to start. Secondly, maybe you did, but maybe there's some things where you've been living divided. There's some things within your heart that you know are not right with the Lord. You need the Lord to heal your heart. And then secondly today, where is there conflict in your relationships? Ask the Holy Spirit, what is a step that I can take towards peace? What is one step that I can take towards peace? If I look at that list of six things, what is, what is one thing that the Holy Spirit is inviting me to look at today so that I can begin to take a step towards pursuing peace? Let's bow our heads today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.